Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. And welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John, though, will be back for a full episode in just a few days. We'll have something out for you later this week also might have a surprise guest later in the week as well hopefully crossing my fingers well we are certainly deep into free agency a lot of the big chips have fallen one of the biggest ones gordon hayward as of this recording on monday afternoon no news yet reports of joe ingles and ricky rubio being at the jazz meeting to recruit and woo Gordon but nothing yet has come out about where he is going to land one of the biggest signings so far was Paul Millsap going to the Nuggets and that is what we are going to talk about with today's guest before we get there though just a reminder for the month of July maybe all summer If you write a five-star iTunes review, we will read it on air. You can promote your own project, pet project, be it a book, a podcast, a band, whatever you want. Or maybe you just want to give us a compliment. We like that too. But any five-star review, you will get a shout-out, and we will read it on air. It obviously helps us out to raise us in the iTunes ranks and make us more available to other people, and then we will give you a shout-out. Also, if you want more Fast Break Breakfast and want to support what we do financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is the site manager for denverstiffs.com and the host of Locked on Nuggets, and a return guest, Mr. Adam Mores. Adam, how are you? It's a miracle I came back on after last time taking a beating for 30 minutes from you. Wait, was it a beating? What, what happened? <laughs> what do you mean? I, I was compared to some of the dorkiest people on earth, but uh, I was told it wasn't an insult, but it sure felt like one. But, are, I, but I'm over it. You are a Ken, you're a Ken Marino doppel- doppelganger. And no one can tell me otherwise. And don't act like you, you already came back on one other time just to, 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 because you, you weren't really sure who Ken Marino was. You had a vague idea, and then you researched it. That's I will true. say, uh, I feel like you've made a conscious effort to change your Twitter AVIs to look as little <laughs> like Ken Marino. Because every time you would change your, your Twitter profile picture, I would send you the corresponding Ken Marino. <laughs> and now you're doing all kinds of crazy things. Uh I tried. I couldn't find anything that, that worked. But. Part, of, part of me is just afraid of putting my picture out on the internet. So that that's honest. Like this new one is like a super close up of my face that you really can't tell what I look like. 
I don't, uh, and that's kind of the idea. I'll be honest, I don't like it at all. The, <laughs> <laughs> I like it when I can see people. I know I, I recognize that my Twitter account, the uh, the AVI, is a you know frying pan with a basketball. Right. But my <laughs> header, I, I'm, I my face is is in my header. If you actually go to the profile, nobody nobody goes to the profile. I know. But but I am I, I'm the John Brockman looking guy behind the Milwaukee Bucks team in, in the photo. I'm the one photo bombing a Milwaukee Bucks photo. But I guess most of most of Twitter, I feel like a lot of basketball Twitter does not use their picture, and it, it's strange. It's like a anonymous chat room. I wish people I, would. Yeah, I don't most know. people most people that use their face like are, are in a suit or something, and I don't own a suit. You got that part right about my personality. I'm not the type of guy to wear a suit, so I don't have anything that looks nice. I just have kind of like random pictures of myself. So, but whatever. I, I mean, you were doing great, and now I, th- I feel like you've gotten a little weird on it. You've gotten a little. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say artsy, but it's like faux Microsoft Paint artsy. Like it's not. That's, a, that's <laughs> accurate. I accept. That's a very see. This is this is this is an accurate uh, take on on myself. All right. Well, last night on Sunday night. You went to bed knowing that your team, the Denver Nuggets, had made a large splash, a very big free agent signing, acquiring Paul Millsap. So my question is, when you woke up today on Monday, what was your breakfast? <laughs> well, who said I went to bed? Oh, I don't know. Did you, did you, did you, you could have been up all night. That's true. I know you have a small child, so I assume you had to get some rest at some point. I think to most people, Paul Millsap is like, oh, that's a good signing. That's a smart signing. This is the best free agent signing in Denver Nuggets history. I don't think people really like accept the gravity of this situation and and the contract and, and everything else. It's just it's just too good to be true. So what did I have for breakfast? As always, I have this uh, low carb protein shake and some eggs mixed with <laughs> um, some uh, my wife made this dinner last night that was like sausage and, and peppers and I mixed that into my eggs. Oh so. yeah, it was phenomenal. It was a great idea by me. I can't believe I came up with it. That sounds like a great way to to one start your week, a big week of summer league, some more free agency, and maybe to oh, yeah. uh, I guess commemorate the big free agent signing. Now I feel you. Paul Millsap is incredible. And that is funny. So you think he is he he actually is the greatest free agent signing in Nuggets history? Who's number two? <laughs> so it's kind of funny because Hoops Hype, or, or actually I can't remember if it was Hoops Hype or somebody else came out with the 10 best free agent signings in Nuggets history. And I'm not kidding. Vashawn Leonard was like number six. I mean, the list was, it was the most sad list you've ever seen in your life. They had Kenyon Martin as number one. Who to get Kenyon Martin, they had to pay him a, a like a super max five year contract, despite the fact that he had two microfracture surgeries or whatever. So, uh, or I think maybe only one at the time. But um, so that was probably the best one. But when you factor in the contract, and first of all, I like I liked Kenyon Martin. I was actually a big Kenyon Martin fan even here in Denver. Uh, but I think I like Paul Millsap a little bit better. He's more my type of player. And then when you factor in that it's a two year plus a third year team option, which is just absurd. I think this is the better deal. I don't know if he's the better player. If 32-year-old Paul Millsap is better than Kenyon Martin when we got him, but um, but I that's why I think he, Kenyon Martin would be number two. Number three is Antonio McDice, which is a fine player. Oh but. yeah, no, he was he was really good, <laughs> and he he he's ruined very the Suns because the the Nuggets tricked him into signing or something, right. and like yeah. they, they locked Jason Kidd out of the arena or something. There's there's a funny story <laughs> involved of how the Nuggets shanghaied uh, Antonio McDice to get him back on on their team. 
You're right, but I can't remember it either. But but it is something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was it was something to do with like locking somebody out of an arena to get the signature. Right. Oh man, this was pre Twitter, and so we didn't get all the great stories. But it was it was along the lines of uh, Antonio. My memory is Antonio McDice was on the Suns team that had Jason Kidd and uh, banged up Anthony Hardaway, and they were something like thirty nine and two the forty one games that those three guys played. But they but they were injured, and then then the next year uh, he apparently was visiting Denver, and they got him to go inside the arena. And apparently Jason Kidd chartered a flight, and there were all these Suns people trying to get a hold of him, knowing he was a very <laughs> sensitive, impressionable right. young guy, kind of shy, kind of quiet, like prone to homesickness. And uh, they're like, "Don't sign it." And the, the, apparently the the Nuggets. Some something about locking them out of arena. We'll have to Google that. So, so the previous two, so number two and number three best free agents were a massive overpay for a chronically injured player and then a kidnapping. So, so this right. was the first one we've gotten without either of those two things. Although I, you know, I'm a Grizzlies fan. Our hoops height <laughs> list of free agent signings, our number one signing of all time last year was Chandler Parsons. So, and and so it is now no longer number one, and it is back to the previous number one, which was Tony Allen. Like Tony hey. Allen, three or nine million dollar is the greatest free agent signing. Literally number three or four, it's like Jared Bayless, Brian Cardinal, uh, Darko Milicic. I think I Ooh. think that I think that could be the top five free agent signings in Grizzlies franchise history. Yeah, if we don't if we don't trade for him, we don't we don't get him. Um, I, I feel so such a kinship to you now. That's Suffering right. fan bases is really how I you really connect. Yeah. Well, so I really enjoy watching the Nuggets. They were my secondary team. I, I've picked like a a side piece, if you will, team every season we've done the podcast. And the Nuggets were my team last year, and they were actually the first team I stuck with the entire season. The year before, yes. the year before that, I did the Bucks, the Greg Monroe Bucks. And it was, mm. they were a, it was a nightmare, unwatchable. Mm, yeah. Year before that, the Raptors, I quit because they never passed James Johnson mm. the ball. But so this year was so much fun, uh, except for like close games. But there's so, <laughs> so, much, so much fun to watch. Obviously, Nikola Jokic is kind of a, a wonder kind, like just transcendent in his passing and just the way he plays the game in a slightly unique way. So they're a lot of fun. So I'm excited for this team and what they can be going forward. So tell me kind of um, how this team does go forward now with Jokic, with Millsap beside him, and then kind of some exciting young wings. Well, I think it becomes kind of a two-year plan for this team now. I mean, there's different stages, right? I don't think they're going to win a championship this year or next, no matter what kind of moves they make. But I think there's a two-year window where you kind of look at it in blocks where they're probably transitioning out from Danilo Gallinari, even though it's not official, it seems official that he is moving on. And so now they're going to have this two-year window with Paul Millsap. And maybe, my fingers are crossed, there's news coming out right now that the Nuggets are still in the mix for for uh, George Hill, which to me, that's like my favorite team ever, if we get George Hill and Millsap in addition to the guys that are already on the roster. So I think there's this two-year window for the Nuggets to kind of grow and, and, and kind of refine the style of play that they are. Jamal Murray is a huge wild card. I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, I, I think his, I think Jamal Murray's upside is incredibly high. I think he's a tremendously hard worker. I think he's going to be an elite three-point shooter, including off the dribble. Um, so he's kind of a big piece because over the next two years, if he develops into the star player, then the Nuggets, th- their their outlook changes entirely. 
Gary Harris is a player that, that was involved in some trade talks for Kevin Love. I, I'm so glad he stayed because he's a guy that I think fits with Nikola Jokic. And that's kind of the core. And I think the other pieces are going to kind of rotate in and out. Right now, it's the era. It's going to be the era of Paul Millsap and, and maybe a guy like George Hill, Wilson Chandler. But a year or two years from now, those pieces will change while the core stays the same. Uh, and that's kind of how I see the Nuggets evolving over the next, you know, certainly two years, but but probably for the next four or five, six years um, al- alongside Jokic, Murray, and Harris. You mentioned you're happy that Gary Harris is still there. He was in some trade rumors. Apparently, there were some draft night workings that kind of fell through with the Nuggets trying to acquire guys. Um, can yeah. you give me any details of what those were? I, d- I didn't see any of the actual details of what the rumored trades were. I can only I can only speculate based on rumors that were both reported and rumors that I've heard. But I think the three play I think the Nuggets had like ten irons in the fire. Tim Connolly has said so as much in his press conference that they had a lot of deals, some big, some little, and one in particular they thought was really close that got pulled out at the last minute. I think that deal was for Jimmy Butler. I think that deal was probably included Gary Harris and maybe another player like Juancho Hernan Gomez or somebody like that. Um, obviously the bulls went with the Minnesota offer, which I, I think, I think the two offers were probably pretty comparable. Um, but that's why the nuggets, I think that was the big deal. They also had a deal with Eric Bledsoe that I think they'll revisit that was centered around the 13th pick Emmanuel Moutier. And I don't know, another player that would have made the contracts match. So maybe Kenneth Farid or Darrell Arthur or somebody like that. Um, and then lastly, obviously Kevin Love has been in, there's been ongoing conversations, I think for a while, trying to see what worked uh, between Cleveland and Denver and Indiana to try to get a three-way that would have landed Love in Denver. So those were the three big ones that got reported. But I think Denver had been pretty active with every single big name. They've Their names have been attached to, to a lot of rumors, both in free agency and in the trade market for the last year and a half. Dwayne Wade obviously comes to mind, but um, they've kind of thrown their hat in the ring, I think, for everybody, knowing, as we just talked about, you can't necessarily be picky with superstar talent when you're Denver because you don't land those types of players every day. So if the fit's not perfect, I think the Nuggets were just willing to throw their hat in the ring of whatever was available and then kind of go from there. What kind of contract could the Nuggets potentially offer George Hill? Like how much space would they have to give him a big contract? Yeah, so I think, again, it's going to have to be the the two-year deal because the Nuggets have Jokic, who's gonna, whose contract will be up, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris will get an extension most likely this summer. So those are the guys that you look at. You need to be flexible, not necessarily this year or next year, but after that. To sign George Hill now, even, they would have to move some contracts, but I think they have a lot of very movable pieces. Um, Emmanuel Moutier, obviously not a great player, but he's still a young prospect that I think still has all of those upside and you look at what happened with Yusef Nurkic, I think, you know, didn't look good here in Denver, got into a situation that was good and, and kind of blew up. I think somebody would take a flyer on a player like him. Will Barton is on one of the best contracts in the NBA, making less than $4 million a year. He's a solid guy off the bench. I think he's a solid guy off the bench for 20 different teams out there. Darrell Arthur is on a, a pretty friendly deal. Kenneth Fareed, he's now in only two years left on his deal. Um, that contract might be a little bit high, but if you're talking about, like, pairing Moutier, Malik Beasley, and Kenneth Fareed, I think you think, oh, Kenneth Fareed's a serviceable player, and now I've got two prospects that if one of those guys turns out to be a good player, that's a good deal. So the Nuggets have pieces that they can move to get to to be able to sign George Hill, but it would take a team taking on a couple of contracts for them, um, you know, wanting to kind of get like a three-for-one or, or, or something like that to to try to pick up a couple prospects. 
the Nuggets have a ton of power forwards, you know, on these contracts that they're trying to move. They, they even got some extra power forwards on, on draft night. Do you think they will be able to? I mean, because you said they should be able to move. I know as a Grizzlies fan, I keep looking at NBA rosters being like, who will just take Brandon Wright just to free up right. $6 million? <laughs> and, and the Nuggets have this. They have this glut of all these guys, like who actually wants Daryl Arthur or Kenneth Freed, who's making a lot more. Like, so are, you are optimistic that they'll be able to get off of those contracts? If you look at a team like Phoenix, so the Bledsoe deal reportedly was centered around Emmanuel Moutier. And I think if you look at if you look at Phoenix, what do they want? They want to lose next year. They want to get as many prospects as possible and they want, uh, you know, to get out from any long term contract. So Emmanuel Moutier, they have nothing to lose in picking him up, if, especially if they replaced Bledsoe with him. They just become bad. They're, I think they're aiming for the number one pick. Honestly, I think they're trying to be the worst team in the league next year. And if you send him Malik Beasley, who I think is a still a talented player, he came. He didn't play a whole lot for Denver last year because they had a lot of shooting guards. But he coming out of college, he was like a uh, loved by all the analytics models and stuff like that because he shot really efficiently from the floor. Um, so if you get two prospects and then like a Kenneth Fareed or a Darrell Arthur, who you know for Darrell Arthur from your from your Memphis days, he's a great locker room guy. He's not going to play a ton of minutes or win any games from you, but I think if you're putting him around youth, he's really really good in that role. Um, so he's I think a, a team like he's a rich man's Trey Lyles. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. they traded for Trey Lyles, I'm like, you have Trey Lyles. Like you literally have Trey Lyles, but whatever. <laughs> and, and Tyler Lydon also, I think like this, this, uh, all these shooting stretch forwards that can't play any defense or, and I guess Darrell Arthur is more of a defender than, than any of them. But so I think that they could make a deal like that, whether they took on Bledsoe themselves or moved them to a third team to kind of clear space. Uh, I, I do think that they have the right collection of young prospects picks and then one like medium sized contract. That's not even an albatross, just kind of like, Oh, here, take Kenneth Reed. And, and, and I, I think they can move something like that around if they thought that they can land George Hill, but the trick with George Hill will be either overpay him for one or two years or you give him a longer contract. And I think Denver's much more interested in the overpaying for one or two years than, than committing long-term. Getting a guy like Travis Lydon, who kind of seemed, I don't know, superfluous is the word. Uh, was that part, do you think that the Nuggets kind of bungled their draft night? Maybe they had too many irons in the fire, and then they ended up not knowing what to do and ended up shuffling off their pick to, to, to the Jazz? <laughs> or, or is that an, an unfair reading of the situation? No, that's, I think, I think that's actually what happened, which is really <laughs> shocking because I know that front offices scout all 60 spots. I know that they think, okay, if this guy's gone, we take this guy. If he's gone, we take this guy. So it's kind of weird for them. I mean, Tyler Lydon was not even on my radar. First of all, a power forward that doesn't play defense is just the last thing that the Nuggets needed, <laughs> uh, as evidenced by them pursuing Paul Millsap so hard. They were going for defense more than anything. Uh, I have no – my guess – my, my best guess, and, and, and in the press conference, by the way, they admitted as much. Uh, they 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 came out right away and said, we have to re rebound from this. their press conference immediately <laughs> following the pick was like, we just have to rebound from this. We just have to like bounce back. And you're thinking you just made draft picks. So you're, you're kind of cons I, di I didn't hear that. That's really amazing. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think what probably happened is they had some kind of deal worked out where a team wanted Lyles and wanted Leiden. Uh, this is speculation. I don't know. But I'm guessing maybe they, they had a team that thought, okay, they really want these guys, so we're going to draft them and move them. And then the deal fell through, and it's like, well, crap, now we have two guys that we don't really actually have a use for. Um, so I think it was a, definitely a mistake. I don't think it makes sense. And to be honest, 
everything the team has said about Lyles was almost like the coup of draft night. When you ask questions about what do you think of Monte Morris or, or, or Lyle, like, oh, yeah, those guys are OK. Lyles, we think is interesting. You know, we really, you know, it's like, right. OK, so, um, so. So, yeah, I don't think that I don't think things went according to plan for them on draft night. And I don't think these are players that they're necessarily optimistic about being part of the long term future. I know divisions don't really matter in the NBA, even though they are still part of the tiebreaker for like division record when you're tied, you know, in the playoff race. Right. I also kind of thought maybe like Nuggets, maybe cool it with trading within the division. <laughs> like it was painful last year. Like yeah. it, I, I don't know what the proper analogy was, but it's, you know, handing the the Blazers Nurkic and like, just don't hurt us with them. And then like that, I want to yeah. say ruin the season, but definitely seemingly cost the uh the nuggets that breakthrough trip into the playoffs that that hurt there look th- that hurt really really bad and Nurkic it's funny man because he's just taken every opportunity on Twitter to tell you poke the bear with the nuggets right like I <laughs> yeah. mean he's taking victory laps every single day right now um when so you, when you are the hey when you're the Bosnian bear you can poke the bear <laughs> apparently he hates calling him that so I fully approve you calling him the Bosnian bear <laughs> okay I'll, I'll title the episode <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i think right donovan mitchell everybody texted me uh you know everybody that i know either like in front offices or or from uh just like smart draft guys were like why'd you guys trade donovan mitchell that's the steal of the draft and i'm thinking because uh, we need to go get tyler Lydon. i don't know right. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> so yeah i i would be fine with cooling it i was a little bit afraid of the nuggets trading moody to like minnesota or something and then him becoming an all-star point guard wait there's still time <laughs> um, there is still time so uh what happens with the small forward position like is it going to be wilson chandler i i feel like he'd said some things about maybe wanting to go somewhere else and and assuming gallinari's gone so what's going to happen at the small forward spot oh yeah it's it's really tough um i think wilson chandler's a great fit uh if it as, assuming i don't know where where he's at right now his issue with the nuggets i think more than anything was he wants to get paid. He's in a contract year this year. He has had some injuries in his career. He's a terrific player, in my opinion. He's a very versatile player. And his role on the Nuggets changed every single night. Uh, tonight, you're guarding LeBron. We need you to be a defensive guy. Tonight, you're playing power forward. We need you to play big and rebound. Tonight, we need you to take the lead on the scoring because so and so's out. So we need you to take 25 shots. And I think he hated this like inconsistency because... You you know, if you're trying to get paid, you're trying to showcase your talents and every night you're asked to do something different. Not only do your stats look different, but you just you appear as an inconsistent player. Uh, and I think that's what he hated. And part of that was not having roster clarity last year. That, that was the Nuggets biggest issue. Forget the defense. Forget all that stuff. They're a young team. I think they'll figure that that part out. But they didn't have any clarity. They didn't have a pecking order last year. They didn't have this is our starters. This is our scores. This is our be- our bench, you know, three or four bench guys. And this is the guys that don't ever play. Instead, they had a bunch of guys that kind of just were mismatched, like uh, changed roles every night. And for Wilson, I think that more than anything is what he hated. This year, it appears as though he's going to be the starting small forward. It appears as though he'll play some power forward minutes if they try to, if, if they do go to some small ball lineups, but his role will be pretty consistent throughout the year. So maybe he's a little bit more content and maybe his numbers, statistically, he had one one of the best years of his career last year, efficiency wise. So maybe he looks at the writing on the wall and says, you know what? I'll stick it out one more year. Um, they need me. They need me to play small forward. I'll have a career year and then I'll go somewhere else after having two solid years in a row. So I think, I, I think I, I don't know this, but I think that he will be content and is content right now uh, and has gotten on the same page with coach Malone in the, in the front office. 
is uh is Juancho Hernan Gomez penciled into some of those small forward minutes? I saw a few. I saw some amazing performances uh, of Juancho last year, and I'm sure that yeah. wasn't the uh, the full picture. I think I saw all of his highlights. Like I was watching games, <laughs> where I was like, "What in the world?" Like this guy's incredible. He was knocking down threes, and I'm like, "This is just ridiculous." Um, so is he is he probably more of a three, or is he still kind of a, a stretch four? What, what's his spot? I think he's a three four combo that plays a little bit of three, a little bit of four. Uh, I like him more, most at the four, just because I like small ball lineups like that, and he rebounds really well for his size he's a tall guy, but he's just, he's kind of rail thin. Um, I love Wancho. He's one of my favorites. I would hate to lose Wancho. He's another guy, Gary Harris. I certainly overvalue, but I also think that he just fits with Nikola Jokic. Wancho is the guy that we haven't seen enough for me to be this, to have such strong takes on him, but I just like him so much. And I want, I want him to stick with Denver because I enjoy his style of play. I think one of the things I, I think the Nuggets need to do, no matter what the big moves or little moves they make, they need to find a role for Wancho, another defined role. For me, that would be backing up Wilson at the small forward position, but also sliding over to play some power forward. And you might have another kind of combo two, three that can kind of fill in those gaps as well. Uh, I don't know if Wancho, you can rely on him to play straight backup power forward and small forward role, but I would love to see him get 15 minutes every single night next year, as opposed to zero minutes for five games in a row and then 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Um, so I think that's one of the things the Nuggets need to do because I think he can handle it. He's a guy that just shoots the ball 44% from three, I believe last year. He he doesn't hold the ball. He he just plays within the flow of the offense, high IQ, good rebounder. I hope they find a role for him. So I think a couple of the big questions for the Nuggets now is, well, one, uh, they're going to be really awesome at offense. They were really awesome at offense last year, and it seems like Millsap will actually just raise that ceiling. So will they be able to defend at a level good enough to hang with those other top West teams? So two years ago, the Nuggets were one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA. And and, and the exit interviews, I asked Tim Conley and Michael Malone, what, what do the Nuggets need to do? To, do you need to go out and get some shooters in the draft or in free agency? And they said, you know, I think we're a young team and we can rely on internal improvement from our shooting. And sure enough, last year, they were one of the best. Uh, Jokic had a lot to do with that and the kind of shots they got. This year, I asked about about the defense and that's the number one thing they said again was you know I think we have to we can go out and add some talent Millsap clearly if they get George Hill clearly those are two huge defensive upgrades that they desperately needed but more than anything Jokic has to be come in in better shape Gary Harris has all of the defensive upside in the world he's one of the quickest hands I've seen nobody can get past him when he's on ball for whatever reason he's just a bad defender but I think you know the statistically but I think some internal improvement from guys like that Jamal Murray um, I, I think that they can actually just, just based on them improving individually, uh, they can kind of raise it. And then obviously Paul Millsap, uh, will make a big difference there. The other thing is you talked about the offense. Here's a concern I have. Chris Finch came over from Houston last year and joined the team and was largely credited, at least in part for being the architect of this Jokic style offense. He's gone now. He's in New Orleans. And I'm very curious to see what Malone does or the coaching staff in general now that he's not there. I would love to think that this is just Nikola Jokic playing this DHO basketball and it doesn't matter who's coaching, it's going to work. But now adding Millsap, there will be some tweaks. And I just hope there won't be a drop off. Yeah, you mentioned the thing that was kind of my my second question outside of with the defense improve is uh, is will Jokic, can Jokic keep getting better? Will he be limited by his athleticism or, or stamina? Like this is a guy who doesn't even seem like he can play, you know, like 38 minutes 
you know, in a game. Like he's always, it's right. always like around 30, 32 minutes. Um, so did, was last year kind of a lightning in the bottle of this guy is doing all these things and the other teams don't know how to defend these cuts and these passes. And maybe with another, you know, a year of tape that NBA defenses will adjust and know like Jokic is looking for this pass, this pass. So the question is, uh, can Jokic keep improving in, in relation to, you know, NBA teams adjusting and his overall fitness? Yes, he can improve. I mean, this is the thing. Jokic was awesome his rookie season. He just didn't play a ton of minutes. So it was like, okay, small sample size playing against bench units last year, starting, it was like four months straight where I'm not joking and exaggerating when I say this. Jokic had two, maybe three bad games in a four month stretch. I kept waiting for it because he would shoot 50%. I did this thing once where he had more games where he shot 70% or higher than he did where he shot 50% or lower. It, it was just this, like these absurd stats and you keep waiting for, okay, one of these days he's going to just have an off night and he never did. I I think this is just who Jokic is. You talk about, will teams learn the cuts and this and that. I don't think it's a matter of learning the cuts. We'd love to see a playoff series so we really know how a team kind of schemes for that style. But I don't think it's so much about, oh, they'll start taking away this one pass for this one type of action because Jokic is such a versatile player. He's got a... Malone said that he has the best handle on the entire team. He's the best shooter from like five different zones uh, in the NBA, like mid-range, kind of floater zone, right outside the, you know non-restricted area, but in the paint, uh, the baseline, he's just got this incredible touch. And then you talk about the, obviously the passing is his calling card. So I think if you overplay the passing lanes, then he has a one-on-one. If you play him one on, if you try to double him, he's got the passing lane. So I think it's a thing where offensively he's the real deal. And I don't think it's a matter of the league catching up to him so much. I don't know if he's going to shoot 60% from every zone on the court, like he did this last year, but even us marginal drop off, he's still going to be one of the most efficient players in the entire NBA. He was one of the, I think he was like sixth highest in shots at the rim this year. And he had 20 dunks. Yeah. No, that, that whole <laughs> thing. Uh, I got a little brow sweat going. I'm getting excited about Jokic right now. <laughs> I, love, I, I love Nikola. He's, he's one of my favorite NBA players. Um, yeah. And the, the shooting is the thing too, where it's the thing where his mid range game, he, he was shooting incredible percentages. Like he's shooting 60% on, like from 10 feet or whatever it was. Yeah. And like he was like the, the best shooter from all these different ranges. It's funny. It's like he's moving in slow-mo and doesn't care about the defense. He's like, I'm seven feet tall. I'm going to make this, this little f- jumper like I'm playing on the, out at the park by myself. People, his passing game is well known, and I think he's the best passing center in the NBA by a wide margin. I think he's one of the best passers in the NBA, you know, pretty comfortably. But um, the thing that people need to think about is think about Anthony Davis's jump shot in his mid range and how it always feels like it's going in or towns. He's better than those guys from almost every zone. And, and I don't think if you just put them all in an empty gym, he would outshoot all of those guys. I just think he's so smart with his shot selection and knowing when to take a shot and when not to that he takes shots when he feels he has this great chance of making them. And that happens to be like 10 times a game and they go in. So um, people have to start think of him as like Anthony Davis with Ricky Rubio passing or something. Yeah. So I'm I'm incredibly excited for the Nuggets this year. I think they have lower, they they have less top end talent than like those Kings teams, the Peja Stoyakovich, the Chris Webber, you know, yeah. Mike Bibby, that were the Western Conference Finals teams. I feel like they could that might be their ceiling. I don't think they have as many elite players right. as those teams had, but I feel like they can play somewhere close to that. So that being said, where do you think they they've you know, there's a lot to go. It's July. It's July third. 
Right. But, but but right now, in like a power ranking sort of way, where do you have the Nuggets falling in the Western Conference? Assuming their roster doesn't change dramatically, and I do think that they're going to make some trades, but it's either going to be they add George Hill or Eric Bledsoe, or they don't add anybody and they just make some like small minor moves. Assuming they don't make the big move, I still think they're going to f- struggle to make the eighth seed. The West is just so stacked. Uh, you talk about Golden State, San Antonio, Houston. I think they're penciled in. Oklahoma City, I don't love that fit. I, I, they're going to be a fascinating and fun team and win on sheer talent, but I don't think they're – some people are like, oh, they're going to be the second best team. I think they're the fourth or fifth best team in the in the Western Conference. Then you got a bunch of teams that are really interesting. If, if Hayward goes back to Utah, I think you pencil them in. Then you've got Memphis, who just always makes the playoffs. you got the Clippers, who are interesting. Portland, who looked like the best team in the league for a while there after they got Nurkic. Minnesota now with two superstars and a, th- maybe three superstars. I I think they're. I would pencil them in at eighth, and I don't feel horribly confident that they're actually going to make the eighth. I think that they're going to be a significantly improved team and maybe have the exact same outcome next year. Now, if they do add George Hill, George Hill to me is the perfect fit to this team. He's the absolute... Uh, just home run type guy. I think they become a five seed, maybe a four seed. Just they become kind of the Atlanta Hawks or, or some of those underrated teams that have such balance. Um, and, and I think they'll sneak up on teams. I don't know how they would fare in a playoff series, but then I think they would be like a five seed, um, maybe even higher. Yeah, I'm close. I'm a, I'm a slightly more optimistic than you are as, as they currently stand. I worry if they get a George Hill. Well, I would love to see them with a George Hill or an Eric Bledsoe. I worry then about like the thing, you know, you obviously can't control, but like the injury risk of Millsap being yeah. older. Chandler has an injury history and both those guys, you know, have been banged up. But right now, I, like I'm with you where I think Warrior Spurs Rockets. I, I think, yeah, then Thunder, Jazz, if Hayward returns. But then when that's like the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, the Blazers, I think those are all better than my Grizzlies. I know the Grizzlies mm. in the last, it seems like maybe Tony Allen's leaving. Just swapping in Ben McLemore for Tony Allen, the, the <laughs> analytics say that's a six-win swap. Like that, that's, a, that's two and a half wins under replacement versus three and a half wins over, uh, you know. But um, I would definitely, I, I feel they're securely in the playoffs. I think it's going to be the Grizzlies, Clippers, Pelicans more scratching from the outside. But again, there's a lot, a lot of way to go. A lot of free agents still to sign. No doubt about it. Adam, thanks so much for uh, taking time to come on again. Uh, tell people where they can read you and follow you and get your awesome opinions other places. Awesome opinions, usually on Twitter at, at Adam underscore Mares, M-A-R-E-S. And then denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog on the web. Check us out. I'm so proud of the site and the staff that we have. So anytime you have Nuggets questions or anything, head on over there. We've got everything covered over there. That sounds perfect. Uh, are you going to Las Vegas? I am going to Vegas. Might be my last trip. We'll see. Uh, it's my Summer League, I always say, this is my favorite week of the year for the NBA, and I'm not even joking. It's like uh, Comic-Con oh, of the NBA. It's so yeah. much fun. Are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm going to be there. I hope I recognize you. I just, again, in my brain, <laughs> I just think you look like Ken Marino, which is <laughs> that's not right. Uh, but after meeting you like one time, my memory <laughs> has just transitioned into a, a, a film actor. Anyway, all right. Uh, thanks so much, Adam. Uh, hopefully I'll see you in a couple of days. All right, later, buddy. All right. Thanks to Adam for taking time to talk about the very exciting, the offensively explosive, the fantasy star loaded now, Denver Nuggets. 
Remember, if you want to get more Fast Break Breakfast, you want to hear more from John and Chuck and myself as we react in real time to all the breaking free agency news, you can go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast and sign up for the Slack chat. The Slack chat, we talk around the clock just about whatever is going on, whether TV shows, movies, hanging out, food, breakfast, and then again, all the NBA moves as they happen. So if you like the show, want to support us financially and get involved with some other hardcore NBA fans, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, no apologize for being TNG. Fast break, break, man. You understand? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.